All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the New Evangelicals podcast. We are doing a response video. I brought Riley back on. Hello, Riley. Hello. It's good to see you again. You too. <laughs> and for the audience out there, if you engage with us on TikTok or Instagram, you've probably seen Riley a couple of other times. She's done some really amazing reels for us, and she does a lot of research to help us kind of create content. So it's great to have her. We're responding to a video today. Actually, wait, before I say that, let me also say that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mad Priest Coffee, who I love dearly. So make sure you go to madpriestcoffee.com, type in TNE20, get 20% off your order uh, because they're a great sponsor of the show and they sent me free coffee. So please buy their coffee. So I keep getting free coffee from Mad Priest Coffee. That's a lot of coffees in one sentence, but we're going to roll with it. So, all right. That being said, um, we do these response videos periodically i hope that we can do them a little more often which we have we we spent riley and i spent maybe a total of combined maybe 10 hours combined to unpack an ali stucky yeah. video podcast that she did about the january 6th insurrection that was terrible today's will not be nearly as long this is only a 10 minute video and the person you're looking at the person with those baby blue eyes, not my eyes, although they are blue, but the person you're looking at is Samuel Duth. Okay. Now there's a reason we're responding to this. First off, let me just say that Samuel, um, Samuel Duth and I have spoken. He's been on the podcast before episode number 16. He is a, a, a campus pastor of a church called Awakened Church in California that is extremely I would say almost as far down as you can go right now, down the rabbit hole of Christian nationalism. I mean, Riley, you and I are discovering that there really is no bottom, right, in Christian mm -hmm. nationalist spaces. Yep. <laughs> but, but, but they kind of seem to be leading the charge of like digging down to that bottom. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, to give you, you all some context, they've had Tucker Carlson speak on Sunday morning or maybe Sunday night. I don't know. But they've had Tucker Carlson speak. They've had Charlie Kirk speak. They've had Candace Owens speak. And I'm fairly sure they've had. Well, you know, I'm not going to say that because I, I can't verify it, but but they've had other political people speak at the church. Um, and in fact, there's an entire Twitter account that that just exposes them, exposes like what they're actually doing. They're very involved in their local politics. They send people to the school board meetings to fight critical race theory. They're um, consistently espousing blatant, I would argue, propaganda about how the election was stolen. And Samuel Duth was at the January 6th insurrection, by the way. He verified that in my podcast interview with him. You can listen to it. So why am I sharing this video? Why are we responding to it? Because this video is talking about us. Samuel Duth made a 10-minute video talking about us because, what was it, maybe two weeks ago, we shared that him Sean Foy and another person named David Engelhart, who's on the Turning Point uh, um, Board of Directors, were all hanging out at Charlie Kirk's Turning Point USA's Student Action Summit, which was really problematic. I mean, Riley, you were there. You were with me in our yeah. text, and we're like, what the hell is happening? So, so much there. happened there. So much happened. Samuel Duth preached, etc. I simply shared the, the picture of, of those three, Sean, Dave, and Samuel, and said, look, here's who they are. And I just kind of defined, here's Samuel Duth, here is David Engelhart, here is Sean Foy. So that's the, that's the context. So, so Samuel went live for 10 minutes, and we're going to go through this piece by piece because I, I need a preface to the audience out there. I <laughs> promise you... He is not a paid actor, okay? What you're going to hear him say, I did not pay him to say, because some of it is so on the nose, you have to wonder. 
Like, wait, mm. Tim, is this is this like a setup? Did you pay this guy to say all the things that you've that, that you and Riley and and you know T have talked about? The answer is no. The answer is no. Okay. <laughs> so so Riley and I are gonna go through this piece by piece. Riley, are you ready? I am ready. All right, here we go. The audio is not super clear. I'm hoping we can boost it in post, but if it isn't, I apologize in advance, but it is all the way up. Here we go. All right, we live. We're back. Okay, problem number one, this guy is driving while going live. That That's a no-no. That's true. Yeah, I mean, just take a look at his Instagram. You can see he's <laughs> just totally driving while doing this <laughs> yes. video. Yes, <laughs> that's already a no-no. This guy is in the car mm-hmm. driving going live. So that's already one strike against Samuel Deuce, to be clear. <laughs> it's been a while since I've jumped on one of these other than when I was just live at Turning Points event with uh, President Trump, which was pretty fun. All right, name dropper. But um, recently came to my attention that I have a, I have a fan over at the Young Evangel, uh, wait, no, the New Evangelicals. <laughs> uh, I, do, I don't follow this guy. I don't give this guy the, day of, the, the time of day, but this New Evangelicals guy, I guess, has been blasting me and Okay, let's just stop right there. Number one, Samuel Deuce, do not pretend you don't know who I am. You've been on my damn podcast, all right? I have That's an, hilarious. I mean, I have a legit audio public interview with you on my show. And number two, the young evangelicals, bro. That was intentional, okay? I'll forgive it, but oh, come on. Oh, 1,000%. <laughs> I mean, the fact that he was on the podcast, and now he's acting like he's never heard of us Who's, the, who's this new evangelical guy? Yeah, okay, <laughs> I'll send you. Our, I'll send you your interview with me, Samuel. <laughs> oh my god! Sean Boyd and David Engelhart and just kind of any Christian leader who went to Turning Point Faith. By the way, just so the audience is clear, David David Engelhart is the pastor of Kingsway, or I'm sorry, King's Church in New York City. That's where Gabriel Finocchio goes, who's the brother of Nathan Finocchio, who runs Theosu. So, so mm-hmm. Theosu, Nathan Finocchio, they are very intertwined to this whole like section in, of Christian nationalism, this whole world. I mean, they're, they're really together on this just to be, a, just so you all know who David Engelhart is. John, Johnny Root. What's up? Um, and you know, blasting us about being Christian nationalists or whatever. Here's the thing about words like that. The, the left or the secular or the godless Even if they claim some type of like Christianity, love to use what they create in the minds of culture like a scary buzzword, right? That gets you on a defensive posture. And you got to watch out for these phrases because they'll say them and they'll say them accusatory to get you thinking that whatever they just said is bad and you don't want anything to do with it. But the truth is, that if you're a Christian and you're not passionate about saving the nation that God has given you, then I don't know what kind of Christian you are. I'm All confused. Right. Let's stop right there for a second. Um, first, I want to say that God has not given Christians America. Okay, that's a, a whole type of complex or um, a whole type of you know superiority complex that Samuel Duth is drawing on, but he believes that America is his nation because he's a God-fearing white Christian man, and that's how America was founded. So we have to call that out right away. Okay, that, that, that's not how the world works, 
But that in Samuel's mind and in the mind of Christian nationalists, that's how it works. One thing that Samuel is doing, and then Riley, by the way, if you have anything you want to interject, please just talk over me because I'm passionate about this. But, <laughs> but Christian nationalism has been defined and it is a specific framework we're talking about. Okay. So for the audience out there, because this is a very common ploy, I would say, from folks like Samuel, they'll say, oh, well, if you are political and a Christian, you're a Christian nationalist. That is not what a Christian nationalist is. It's not how it's defined, etc. One definition I want to give you from an academic source is really Samuel Perry, who's a, who's a leading sociologist who's been tracking Christian nationalism. And, and this is pulled from uh, Christians against, against Christian nationalism. How they phrase Samuel Perry's definition is that Christian nationalism is a cultural framework that idealizes and advocates a fusion of Christianity with American civic life. Christian nationalism contends that America has been and should always be distinctively Christian from top to bottom in its self-identity, interpretation of its own history, sacred symbols, cherished values, and public policies, and it aims to keep it that way. But the Christian and Christian nationalism is more about identity than religion. It carries with it assumptions about nativism, white supremacy, authoritarianism, patriarchy, and militarism. So to be clear, okay, many, most Christians in America do not subscribe to Christian nationalism. But, <laughs> but Christian nationalism is a very specific way of thinking about Christianity and how it fuses with America. So that's very important. Now, Samuel won't acknowledge this, even though that's what he advocates for, but that's what we're talking about. So we absolutely have definitions. Yeah, I totally agree. And I just like want to point out the fact that he already just starts this video out with a, such a straw man fallacy of our understanding of Christian nationalism, which is the idea that like, according to him, oh, if you're just a conservative and a Christian, bam, you're just a Christian nationalist, which is not at all anything I've ever said or right. TNE has ever said. Um, and so we completely just straw man the argument, but like we're not just attacking, you know, Christians who happen to espouse conservative ideology, conservative political ideology. That's not what it means to be a Christian nationalist because I understand there's a lot of people that are Christians and that are Republicans. And that's not that's not what we're talking about here. Um, and so he just completely strawmans the argument. We're talking about a very specific understanding of using, of weaponizing Christianity to control American government and American politics and to enforce that Christianity on people who don't espouse it. And so That's it's exactly very right. different than the strawman argument that he just like blatantly puts forth two minutes into this video yes. and this is a really important distinction to make here because we're not attacking republicans who are also christians that's not what we mean by christian nationalism right at all we right. have no problem with you being christian or anything like that right it's a very specific way of understanding um, like christian's role in american government and then like weaponizing that religion on people who don't follow that religion and that's problematic Yes. Notable examples of folks who would be conservative but not Christian nationalists would be Russell Moore, Andy Stanley, Tim Keller, etc. These are folks who are more conservative yep. in their theology and probably politically as well, but are not Christian nationalists. That being exactly. said, it's safe to assume and to say, well, not assume, but it's safe to say, based on the data, that currently right-wing political spaces are the breeding ground for Christian nationalism to flourish. So certainly they have their yeah, own yep. problems, but that does not make every one of those spaces Christian nationalists. 
No, not at all. By your lack of Christian nationalism. I'm confused by your lack of ability to be passionate about saving the nation and being involved in the peace and prosperity of the nation that God has called you to when that is quite clearly our biblical mandate. First off, it's not a biblical mandate. The mandate is to make disciples of people. (laughs) You can't Christianize a nation. Nations are not people. Okay, that's number one. And number two, this whole idea of don't you want to save the nation and bring it to peace and prosperity? Samuel Dutes' theology and political views, that's not what he means. He means for people like Mm -hmm. him. And you can listen to my podcast episode with him on, again, it's episode number 16, where I ask him uh, when he talks about freedom, I say, well, freedom for who? And he, 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 he does not affirm uh, for example, the queer community um, to uh, he, he says that the queer community essentially should not be able to have the same legal rights to marriage that other people do. And I said, exactly. That's the whole point. So people like Samuel Duth will use language like peace and prosperity, but they they mean it at the expense of everyone else who's not like them, either religiously or culturally speaking. So if you're a believer and you are not trying to reach and save the nation and disciple the nation that you're in. And if you're a believer and you are not trying to uh, transform the culture, if you are not trying to infiltrate the culture with oh. godly believers, oh, right, God. who are trying to take back that nation's political system. And- Hear the language, friends. Infiltrate. Take back. Yep. This is This is not about pluralism or multiculturalism or saying, hey, if our our constitution guarantees freedom of all religion, right? People have the ability to worship how they see fit. That's not how Samuel sees the world. In Samuel's mind, he has an ultimate truth that must take over the surrounding culture that, that he thinks is not biblical or Christian. That's what this comes down to. Right. Well, and he uses Jesus's like final mandate of just like, discipling the nations and discipling people to be like disciple America and like take back America, which is not at all. I mean, Jesus didn't even say nations. He said disciple like people People. getting it mixed up. But the point was nations was not in the Bible. That was not the concept of like Christ's final, you know, a hundred percent. It is interesting to watch people like Samuel go from, Individual salvation, you know, don't uh, group think is bad. No corporate <laughs> things aren't good. To oh, nations like entire nations now, entire exactly. nations we have to infiltrate them and take them over, uh, including America. Right? It's it's a whole. It's such a weird, uh, disjointed theology that like it, it's it's hard to to um, it's hard to you have to wonder like is there any foundational principles here or is it just like right. take over and control and do and say whatever you have to say to make that that fit somewhere right so well they did this they did this with the crusades and it was horrible like yes. how are we not learning from history here yeah environmental system education system um creative system whatever the system may be if you are a part of a nation and you're a believer and you're not trying to engage the culture then you are completely missing got some sweet light on my face you're completely missing the concept no so by the way he's 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 routing he's spouting off different like parts of society eerily similar to the seven mountain mandate 
This is where a lot of this is coming from. The Seven Mountain Mandate essentially says that that Christians are called to take over every sphere of influence in the culture, finances, um, the arts, the government. So that's what it sounds like Samuel is ripping off of here as he talks about it. Don't be afraid when someone says, oh, you're you're uh, you're into politics. Oh, you're conservative and you're Christian. You're Christian nationalist. And then all of a sudden you're supposed to cower, be afraid, back down, get nervous. Just own it. Yeah, because nobody really knows what that means. That is one of those <laughs> weird like slurs, like liberal. We know exactly what that means. slurs. Exactly. As we just demonstrated, we know what that means. And by the way, everything that he just spouted off is is all, I hate to say it this way, but it's conservative. It's far right propaganda of, of, of terms that have no definition. So, so when they say like, oh, woke, right, or CRT or grooming, they can't give you a definition because mm. it's made up. It's it's a made up term to encompass anything that they don't like, as opposed to Christian nationalism, right? In particular, that term has actual research behind it, how it's defined, what we're looking at, how it impacts culture. These are not two sides of the same coin. They are very different. Exactly. I think one thing that's so like scary to me, and maybe I've just been in the dark a bit on this, but the fact that like so many conservatives are now proud of this um label which wasn't the case a few years ago when it kind of started rolling around in academia rolling around in kind of you know political spaces christian nationalism was like not a good concept and now it's being owned and i don't know how to um debate that i don't know how to like have any kind of discourse with people who are actually very proud of being christian nationalists like it's kind of it's kind of beyond me at this point. Yeah, it, it, I would say, for in my experience, the past few months, I've just seen this like yeah. explosion from from very powerful, influential evangelical leaders just owning it. Al Mohler owned it in a podcast mm. recently. Nathan Finocchio. Really? It looks like Marjorie Taylor Greene is ghostwriting for Nathan Finocchio at this point with like some of his right. posts about Christian nationalism. Marjorie Taylor Greene has doubled down on it. I'm pretty sure Charlie Kirk has embraced the term. Samuel Duth is is, is embracing it. So I agree. It seems like the move is well. Let's just own it, and then we're going to say, "Well, there's no set definition," even though there is, right? right? So it's mm-hmm. it's it's, yeah. it's, a, it's kind of a classic evangelical um, tactic of, "Oh, we'll 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 take something that is um, a, a well-known term or well or well-documented term, and we'll we'll own it, we'll absorb it, yeah. we'll change it to mean what we what we want it to mean, and then we'll attack it." I mean, they did this with deconstruction, right? They took the term deconstruction, changed the definition of it, and then used that to attack anyone who's deconstructing. So this is kind of like how yeah. the machine works in evangelical yeah. spaces. And nobody really knows how to define. And when they define it, they just basically start painting this massive picture that means a Christian nationalist is basically anything that liberals don't like. And we just documented this. It's That's patently not true, as we said a couple minutes ago. And Christian liberals, which is a weird concept in general. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> you know, deconstruction. It's all these people who are against conservative political value systems. I hate that so much, actually. What? He snuck in a sentence there. Christian liberals, which is like a weird concept in general. And I really, really dislike that. As a Christian liberal, the idea that he completely sets himself up as just the 
judge and jury of who gets to be a Christian based on his interpretation of American politics. Totally. Um, I don't like I. Yeah, I am a Christian. I love Jesus. And I'm also a liberal. And I hate the fact that this random guy who I don't even know is actually questioning whether I have any place within the Christian faith. I think that's so off base. Well, it's off base and it only works if you have tunnel vision. It only works if you yep. don't read outside of the bubbles that you that you're supposed to be reading inside of, right? It only works and if you if you say the Bible is this and there's no answers yep. or buts about it. And if you disagree, then you're a liberal and I don't like you, right? It only works on exactly. that level. Exactly. Exactly. It's built entirely on pride, on patriarchy, and yeah, just the his like what is truly just pride, his understanding of like, I know what it means to be a Christian. And so I'm going to impart this on every single person who attempts to call themselves or consider themselves a Christian. Right. It's literally and pride. Audience, just for a second, think about like even some of the major Christian streams, Eastern Orthodox, Oriental Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, Catholic, Protestant. Then inside of Protestantism, you have the charismatic, you have reformed. What Samuel is essentially saying is that like, well, if it's not inside of my worldview of how I view the Bible, it's not Christian. I mean, that is okay. such an arrogant um, position to take that completely um, gives the middle finger to other traditions in the Christian stream that are actually older than Samuel's, right? So it just shows, yeah. in my opinion, like a total uh, lack of respect and and a lack of like you know, um, yeah, just just respect for the other Christian traditions that have come before him. Well, and just like he will say, and him and others who completely critique or diminish deconstruction as this idea that like oh they don't believe in the bible anymore they just think the bible is like watery right. or whatever when actually like one of the very fundamental pieces of christ's ministry is like meekness and humility which is kind of the antithesis of everything he has said in these like past three minutes to be totally. honest with you totally i mean one of the easiest examples is jesus says love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you and samuel's response is conquer your enemies and take over the culture like mm. they're just they're they're, they're fundamentally at odds with each other, but in Samuel's mind, they're consistent. That's what makes it so difficult the, to critique. Exactly. And the idea that he questions whether you can be a Christian and a liberal just shows his incredibly narrow understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ. I agree. Really are just against God's word. Because what oh. we're talking about here... I'm going to back that up for a minute so you can hear the context. ...value systems really are just against God's word. Because nobody really knows how to define. And when they define it, they just basically start painting this massive picture that means a Christian nationalist is basically anything that liberals don't like. <laughs> and Christian liberals, which is a weird concept in general, um, you know, deconstructionists, all these people who are against conservative political value systems really are just against God's word. Because what we're yes. talking about here is truth. We're talking about God's word. We're talking about the things that matter. And for me, like I say, oftentimes, I'm really not political. That may sound funny because I was just at a political event. I was just speaking uh, the truth of God's word at a political event. But I'm really not political. I'm actually just about the truth. I'm Okay, so there's a lot we could sit here for an hour unpacking all that, but I just want to highlight really this this idea of God's word, right? I'm just preaching God's mm -hmm. word. Which part, True. Samuel? 
Certainly not, not, not the Sermon on the Mount. Certainly not Matthew 25, where Jesus says that you're in danger of judgment if you're not taking care of those in prison. Certainly, certainly not, not when Jesus says to the rich young ruler, sell all your possessions. Certainly not to Zacchaeus when he repents by giving back fourfold. So this, this is probably what, and I'm, I'm kind of projecting onto Samuel here, a, a, a bigger gripe I have with, with evangelicalism as a whole in our spaces is that they will use terms like that. We're just standing on God's word. What they really mean is that we are interpreting the Bible through a specific lens, but we can't acknowledge that. So instead we'll say we're standing on the truth of God's word. Which parts? Which parts? I would love to know where you get your theology for more AR-15s is a good thing. I would love to know where you get your theology of supporting Donald Trump, who's on his third marriage, who grabs women by the you-know-what, and who instead of insurrection is the Jesus way. I would love to know where they get this win-at-all-cost mentality from a Jesus who literally carried his own execution device to his own death and was murdered by the empire. I would just love to know where he gets this from. there's nothing underneath this besides empty words that sound nice. Yeah. Well, again, with like just the pride, because what he's saying is not that we don't believe in God's word, that we don't believe in truth, is that we don't believe in his very, very specific, very narrow understanding of what the Bible is. Yeah. And so he completely extradites all Christians who happen to have a different interpretation of the Bible than he does. And it's ironic because the Bible actually says that the meek will inherit the earth. He talks a lot about inheriting and dominion. That doesn't really seem to line up with what we've seen so far. Right. Right. And listen, not to go down the rabbit hole too far, but you know, we have a lot of data of how the Bible was formed and it's, it's not as black and white as what Samuel makes it seem like, Oh, you just read it. And that's God's word. That, that first off the word is Jesus, according to John, you know, it's not even the Bible, but like they, they pretend they act like the Bible was beamed down from heaven to our hands. And like, there's, there's no translation problems. There's no manuscript issues. The fact that we don't have any of the original manuscripts is apparently not even a problem. So like they, they can't even acknowledge just the reality of like, whether you like it or not this is the bible that we have and it's not as black and white as you make it out to be either through translation or interpretation you know so anyway i don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole but like even that whole that whole part of just how the bible was formed is just out the window in samuel's mind spring is basically a second holiday season mother's day father's day weddings the list goes on and what better way to celebrate them than with drizzly the go-to app for alcohol delivery Drizzly is the easiest way to shop local stores and compare prices on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered to your door. Download the app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. Really, really interested. I'm convicted. I'm passionate. I am determined to see the truth of God prevail in my life, my family's life, my community's life, right? My nation's life. So the problem here is that if, if if Samuel and his family want to live their life set by a certain view of the Bible and, and a certain fundamentalist perspective, they're more than welcome to do that. But like Andrew Seidel said in my interview with him, he's a constitutional lawyer. He said, your right to swing a fist stops where my face begins. And for Samuel to say, well, I want to see this you know, now in my community's life, in my nation's life, eh. That's not how this works, Samuel, because there are other people in America, most, who do not view the Bible the way you view it, who do not view politics 
the way that you view it. And you don't have a right to impose your religious beliefs on other people who have the same religious beliefs or I'm sorry, same religious freedoms and privileges, right? That maybe you also would have through this country. And that, that I think for me is such a, a, a big point that we have to hit on. This is not about for people like Samuel making room for people to live their own life, religiously speaking. This is about dominance taking over and really proselytizing to the point of conversion or a, some kind of moral order that fits his fundamentalist worldview. So that is going to force me to get political or what people perceive as political. Like even the overturning of Roe v. Wade, a lot of pastors didn't want to talk about it because it was political. Excuse me? Are you kidding me right now? Uh, saving babies from being murdered in the womb is political? When did that become political? Did you want to say something here, Riley? I know you had a note. I can answer his question because he actually just posited a question there. Um, it became political in the 1970s when the religious right gave up their fight for segregation because they were legally required to by law. And so the churches had to find some other political cause to get behind and they got behind abortion, which the SBC, the biggest Christian denomination in the United States, supported Roe v. Wade in 1973. They were in support of the decision. And then they were forced to desegregate their schools and eventually had to find a new political cause to unite on. And they united on abortion. So there you go. That's your answer. When did Roe become political, which is what he just asked, in the 1970s, because they could no longer be political on the issue of segregation. Yeah. We should also point out here that the only religious group that wanted Roe v. Wade overturned are white evangelical Protestants, period. Yep. They're the only people. Uh, so this is not a, a popular belief. It's not widely held. And Riley, you've covered on our Instagram and TikTok story after story mm-hmm. of how Roe v. Wade is impacting women right now and how it's impacting yeah. with their pregnancies and when there's a problem, how they can get health uh, healthcare that they actually need. So anyway, whole different discussion, well, but like it's it's not good. It's well, and it is such a narrow. Um, I mean, like you said, you know, it's white conservative evangelicals that want this to be overturned, not even all of Republicans, which Kansas literally showed us last week, you know, yep. in a I think it was like a 60 30 or something. Yeah, Kansas is a very red state, which means that a lot of Republicans had to vote to keep, you know, abortion legal in the state of Kansas. So, yeah, exactly. It, he, you know, it's just grossly misinformed, is what it is. Agreed. That is a basic, basic biblical principle of protecting life, right? So the the enemy, well, the- unless you're for the, but he's also for the death penalty. So it's not all life; it's just some life, you know. I mean, mm. you, universal health care definitely a no go, right? No. Uh, hey, if you do the crime, pay the time. Mm. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So anyway, left the deconstructionists, the liberals, the. I don't know whatever you want to call them, those who would reject God's word. Anybody who rejects the Bible as truth, all the words they together. are a absolute cesspool. <laughs> that is the bottom line. Man, so much for loving your neighbor, loving your... I mean, you know, these are the people who are all, who say God, God's all about love and receive God's grace and there's freedom in Christ. And, you know, we, we want to right. love our neighbor as well by implementing our, our, you know, fundamentalism. Also, you're all cesspools. It's like... Thanks. The quiet yeah, part they out loud. Wonder, 
they wonder why people are leaving the faith. Oh, you just called all of us like just generally questioning things cesspools. Okay. <sighs> yeah, exactly. Nothing good. Nothing good can come from anybody, whether they call themselves a Christian or not. If they claim that God's word is is not true, that it should be mistrusted, that you should question it and reject it. Now you can question it as in Okay, so hold on. So first we're told you can't question it, and if you reject it, you're definitely not a Christian. But now Samuel's going to give, well, his exceptions, though. So if Samuel says that we can question it a certain way, that's going to be okay. But if we question right. it our way, no way, bridge too far, boundary found, do not cross. You've got questions well, that's about That's what I mean the about the whole ego thing again, is like we are fully required to interpret the Bible through Samuel's lens, very specifically his lens. And if we stray from that, where, as he said, evil, godless, liberal, exactly, cesspools. I don't know how you can, like, you deal with an ego like that. Exactly. Well, says, and you're trying to process it, but a lot of deacons. Let me back up there and so we can hear that. Not true, that it should be mistrusted, that you should question it and reject it. Now, you can question it as in you've got questions about what the Bible says and you're trying to process it. (laughs) I'm sorry. He just said what so many of us have been doing. Like, yes, we have questions about, about, about what the Bible says. And we're trying to process it. Exactly. And it turns out, Samuel, that as we dug and listened to people who actually know what they're talking about, you know, actual scholars and, and people who spent their entire life trying to understand this book that we have, some of these answers that you gave us were kind of bullshitty. They weren't that great. They were kind of nonsense. And so we found better answers. And somehow that for you translates to godless liberal cesspools. <laughs> I, exactly. We're only we're only allowed to question the Bible within his very specific parameters. Yes, exactly. Ugh. A lot of deconstructionists will try to get you to buy into some idea that, well, you know, there's errors. It's not really accurate. You know, it's, you know, the translation is different now or times are different and God's word evolves. And it's like man, a bunch of absolute crap. Okay, I I don't know how else to say this, but this is just straight up nonsense. I mean, the Bible, the manuscripts that we do have have discrepancies. They don't all line up. Translation issues are a problem. Depending on what version of the Bible you're reading and who translated it, you could get different meanings. We don't, not all the manuscripts have the same verses sometimes. Now, I'm not saying, friends, if you're listening to this, that um, what I'm not saying is therefore the Bible is rubbish or that somehow we, we can't find it uh, full of wisdom and even find it in some cases trustworthy. But this idea that those things don't exist in the Bible is factually, for, forget anything else, I mean, factually not the case. That's why there are, I mean, thousands of people, if not more, who have given their lives to trying to understand the texts that we have, how we got them and how the Bible functions. It's just not that simple, flat out. I can't believe I have to say this to a pastor, but I mean, here I am. Right. <laughs> just to be honest, just to be honest. Please stop um, driving. It's so dangerous. So we've got we've to be uh, intentional about engaging truth. Okay. And continuing to push for truth, reject the lies, reject the narratives, embrace God's ways and God's word. And again, going back to the whole Christian nationalist thing, which. 
Really quick, Riley, I wanted to point out one thing for our audience, too. He keeps on talking about the truth of God's word, truth of God's word. How does he know? If, if, if he was talking to me now, which I'm not sure if he will, but if he was talking to me now, I would ask him, Samuel Duth, how do you know that Bob Jones, biblical exegesis, proving in his mind that segregation is biblically mandated yeah. and anyone who doesn't believe it is, is a liberal you know, godless person. I mean, these are this. This is what Bob Jones kind of hints at in one of his sermons that I have archived. How come he's not objectively true anymore? And how come now right. you're objectively true? Like, how do you prove that? Because Bob Jones has the Bible verses. He has the arguments. He shows how the Bible create uh, says that you know their nation has boundaries and that each person kind of stays in their own lane. Uh, so why isn't Bob Jones right? And, and that's why this whole thing falls apart. Once you read 30 years of evangelical history, 40 years, you see how interpretation, yeah. even in our short lifetime, has changed radically. Which, by the way, thank God that most Christians are not advocating for segregation anymore. Thank God. But let's not pretend like that wasn't the same language Samuel Duth is using now, but just with the word segregation inserted into it. Yep. Exactly. I mean, he keeps talking about like how the Bible shouldn't be interpreted culturally or how the Bible doesn't evolve. And yet, clearly, again, it's just such an expose on his interpretation of the Bible, which apparently is completely perfect and without fail in 2022. But you talk to 1970s Christians and he would have to admit that the Bible has evolved. Right. Like the general conservative evangelical interpretation of the Bible has evolved. Right. And and it and it breaks down. And I think this is just such a just kind of indictment on how conservative evangelicals have really chosen what kind of history to consume, i.e. they don't really know that in the 1970s, the church was pretty much the only people still advocating for segregation in America. It was right. largely backed by evangelicals. Right. And so and. The church doesn't talk about that. They don't. They don't want to know that, right? And right. Because it it looks bad. Right. <laughs> it's a really really bad. Um. And so yeah, I mean, again, it's just his whole like the Bible doesn't evolve, and you know we shouldn't interpret it in culture, and it's really just we should interpret it as Samuel's twenty twenty two understanding of the Bible should be applied to all Christians everywhere. Right. Apparently, the evolution stops right here. Samuel right. found it, right? It goes no further than this. So Yeah, he, he got it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thank goodness. It's just such a crazy buzzword. The truth to me is, if you're a Christian and you're not into your nation, you're not into saving your nation, preserving your nation, redeeming your nation, taking over your nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the original mandate of all believers. And I think you're Garbage. missing the concept of the gospel. Every single one of us have been given a directive by God to redeem the world, to take dominion, to advance on this earth. Okay, the, friends, this is why I say I'm not paying Samuel Duth to say this. He literally just said that Christians are here to take dominion. He is espousing dominionism. Okay, this is the idea that Christians have a special duty from God to take over the nation and the world and to make it look like a pretty much a theocracy based in fundamentalist Christian 
teachings. They're further, like, if you keep going down this train of thought, you get into what's known as theonomy or reconstructionism. And it's, it, it, that's what this is. I mean, that's what he's talking about here. He is quite literally telling you that as Christians, they, he is privileged to rule over other people. So the hierarchy is white men like him who are God-fearing, conservative, fundamentalist Christians, maybe the women underneath of that slightly who agree with his beliefs, and then everyone else. Right. And then depending on, on your religious belief or your sexual orientation based on, on 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 the on the culture war that he finds himself in, right? You're lower, you're lower on that list. That's what's happening here. It's dangerous. I would argue it's heretical. It's certainly blasphemous. And this idea that if you don't save your nation, you're missing out on, on the whole point of the gospel. What gospel is he talking about? I, I would love to know where Jesus says, yes, make sure that you save your entire nation. And also save them from what? Is the nation now not going to hell? Like, like what is what is the end game for Samuel Duth? I, I would love to ask him, give me your, your heaven on earth. Okay, we did it. What does it look like? What does it look like? I would love right. to know. There, there's no answer. It, 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 it's yeah. a carrot on a stick that you can never catch. That's what it comes down to. Man, I'm really ranting today. Whew, sorry. <laughs> right? So every single one of us have got to step up, rise up, engage the world, engage culture, take bring over, the truth over. of God's it's word code. to the world that's around us, resist the madness. Do not buy into the lies of godless, liberal, uh, extreme, anti-biblical culture. But also, and almost more dangerous, is those who call themselves believers but reject God's word. And they basically take all <laughs> of the world's ideologies and grab onto them. So, to Says the guy who's fully immersed in our modern political system. <laughs> The world's ideologies, as as he literally, like, well, not literally, but he, you know, metaphorically bows the knee to Trump while he's while he he was at the January sixth insurrection. Can you get any more cultural? You know, I just no. this, anyway, it, it, it's wild. It's wild to hear them talk like this. Yeah. Like somehow they're outside of the cultural bubble while they represent the empire and mm -hmm. Christendom that wants to take over and rule. It, they want to be the culture that they're that they that they supposedly are trying to resist. Me, most of the time, a deconstructionist mm. is somebody who sounds a lot like an atheist, God-hating liberal. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, it's all the tropes. It's all the on-the-nose tropes in one sentence. I mean, when, I I, mean when, I, when I'm making fun of people, I say that, right? When I'm like, <laughs> you know, drawing satire, like I'm just a godless, you know, atheist liberal. That's how I say it. Right. But Samuel's serious. <laughs> He's just like racking his brain for the worst possible things he could say about us. <laughs> oh, yeah. We sound a lot like atheists with, you know, resurrected Jesus or loving, right. you know, or like, you know, taking the Bible honestly, seriously. It's just. <gasps> They're uh, liberals. <laughs> <laughs> As if that's a shock. Oh, my goodness. So I don't know. I mean, I don't want to judge because they're not into that. But if the way I talk sounds more like. We're not into that. God-hating okay. liberal versus somebody who loves God's word and honors life. I don't know. You, you decide. Who do you want to listen to? Who do you want to get your input from? Okay? <laughs> As a believer, do not. And I repeat, do not. Do not listen. Do not follow. Do not engage believers who reject God's word.
Right, right. So so don't explore. Don't try and understand the arguments. Mm-hmm. Don't do any of that. Just keep your head down. We'll give you all yeah. the answers. We'll give you the truth. And do not listen to anyone else because the world might get you. They might snatch you out of your fundamentalist mm-hmm. ideology. You know, I mean, that, that's what he's saying. I grew up in this. Yeah. I grew up in this, with this saying, perspective. He's literally saying don't question him, honestly, right. which yeah. is scary as shit. And he also says, like, don't, you know, like, oh, I don't want to judge because they're not into that, as in, like, us, as in, right. like, the liberals, right? right? And Jesus in Matthew 7 also. So, you know, right. at least we're in good company <laughs> right. from the guy who says he knows God's word. Apparently, he has not read Matthew 7 recently. But, yeah, I just find it ironic. Um, well, anyway, yeah. and by the way, not if, if I'm going to play the Bible game, like how they play it, where you pretty much pick out the Bible verse and apply it. First Corinthians five, Paul is pretty clear that we're called to judge the church and not those outside the church. Like you can, you can read mm, the passage friends. Yep. Paul is like explicitly clear. So I, you know, I'm just saying like, talk about the, you know, following God's word or not. Like it, it, it's, it's a great example of how like everyone, I'm not saying this is even a bad thing. We all pick and choose what we take for our day and what we don't. We all do this. That's why most people don't wear head coverings when they go to church. Okay. So I'm just saying though, right. like stop pretending Samuel, like you're reading every single word in the Bible and, 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 and applying it literally. And therefore you're standing on absolute objective truth, which is again, even a shaky term to use for the Bible. While people like me are just like, Oh, the Bible, what's that? Oh, I don't know what that is. I'm making up my own Bible. That's not what's happening here. It's very disingenuous. Because they are absolutely in the most flawed, dejected state that cannot be redeemable. They need salvation. They need to come back to the I'm truth. Not even when they do, you can re-engage. But anyone who calls themselves a believer, mm, these, are, these are what deconstructionists yeah. do. They call themselves believers, but they reject God's word. You cannot do that. Those do not work. Okay? Anyone who rejects God's word as truth, reject them. Get them out of your world. Get them out of your life. Unfollow them. Okay? Uh, Anyone who gets all worked up about the term Christian nationalist needs to get a life. Because every believer should be committed to redeeming their nation. Like Russell Johnson. Pastor Russell Johnson up in the north. So Russell Johnson, I guess he joined the live. He, mm, mm. we did a video critiquing him a while ago because he was another one of these, like, you know, we're not going to shut down. We're not going to wear masks. It's the transgender community's fault. I mean, it was horrible. The video was a propaganda nightmare. He's also someone who called deconstruction, quote, the doctrine of demons. We critiqued him actually on YouTube. So if you go through our videos, you'll find him. But he's another one where it's just like, oh my God. You know, I just, I, I, I don't like using the term cult like, but it really is cult-like. I mean, it is this kind of just, oh, yeah. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you how to yeah. see it. And anything outside of that, if you disagree with me, you're just not saved anymore. You need salvation. I mean, that is that is some crazy, yeah. crazy stuff. All right, we're almost done. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, we never said, at least most of us, you know, at either New Evangelicals or just within the deconstruction space, the whole point is, like, most of us didn't say we were atheists or didn't say we were leaving Christianity or didn't say we no longer believed in God, which if that's you, that's fine. Right. But a lot of us did not say that. We actually are just like desperately still trying to hold on to some semblance of Christianity within this like shit show that is 
American Christian nationalism right now. Right. And we're like doing the really, really hard work of trying to hold on to that truth. And he completely diminishes that, which I personally think is really, really offensive and kind of horrible thing to say. Well, I, frankly, it is offensive and not to be this guy, but like our podcast, we've I've intentionally tried to get people who who can speak with some kind of authority based on their own research, right? Like actual scholars on all of these topics. And you can go through our podcast and take a look. I mean, we have all kinds of people on. Some don't agree with each other. We have them on. And 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 so we're trying to at least explore the different ways of being Christian and also what's really happening in our society. People like Samuel Duth seem more concerned with their dogma and propaganda than with truth. But yeah. they use terms like truth. They use terms like God's word to try and convince you that, that they're standing on some kind of solid ground. Ultimately, though, underneath, there's nothing there. It is quicksand. And it's frustrating, but it, it is what it is at this point. West, see him tuning in, dominating the Northwest for Jesus Christ. There it is. Raising the banner of truth and amongst a wildly secular culture. And guess what? God is honored. God's praise. God's elevated. And congrats to you guys for just taking ground, buying a new building. It's awesome. Um, okay, well, that's pretty much all we got. So we'll stop there. Um, by the way, Russell Johnson, he blocked me on Instagram a long time ago. So I do find <laughs> it is interesting. One quick side note. And friends, if you if you made it through this whole thing, thanks for hanging out. I hope it was helpful for you. But one quick side note. I do find it so interesting that like people like Mark Driscoll, Russell Johnson, many others, they they block people. Theosu block people yeah. all the time. I'm blocked by Ali Stucky. Right. I mean, they. I, I can tell you honestly, I think we have like maybe 10 people blocked total and it's because they, they either threaten us with violence or they've used actual racist terms and derogatory language in our comments. Mm -hmm. That's the only yep. reason people get blocked in our circles. I've reached out to so many of these people to talk to in person. I've talked to Samuel Duth in person. I reached out to John Cooper. I reached out to Ali Stucky. I reached out to Nathan Pinocchio. I reached out to Alisa Childers. I've talked to Alisa Childers before privately has not come on the podcast. So it's just so frustrating because it's like, we're, I'm trying to honestly have and engage in good faith dialogue without dehumanizing. And it just seems like so many people in that community in that space just want to shut out, you know, dissent or, or conversation and just want to rule by dogma and propaganda. So it, it is what it is, but we, it's, it's yeah, out of I our honestly control. I think it's so frustrating because so many of them really do like shit on deconstructionists. But I think that a lot of it in my like just kind of putting on my psychology hat here yeah. comes from fear that like we are a threat to the power hold that that evangelicalism has on people's lives, on people's mental health, on so many institutions within American society, evangelicalism is there. Yeah. And people questioning that, questioning that, whether that's like a good thing or not, are really, really threatening to the system, are really yeah. threatening to the institutions. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is just not even so much that they you know, hate us for questioning things. It's more that we actually present a very real fear to their power. Well, and I think it's also that I'm not afraid to be wrong. And I think that, yep. I think that they are because their whole worldview stands on them being right. 
So if they're wrong, they feel humiliated. They feel like their pride's taking the hit. And I'm not saying I don't like, I'm not saying I like being wrong, but I've learned pretty early on. Like if I'm going to be in this space, I have to be willing to admit like, Hey, that wasn't accurate. This was misinformed. Yeah. I have to do better. Right. And so I'm not afraid if like, if I talked to John Cooper and he told me um, something, I was like, actually, John, I think you might be right on that. I don't mind admitting to him that he might be right on something. I mean, uh, he's human. He's human. I'm human. Right. But I think for a John Cooper or a Samuel Duth type, they can't be wrong because if they're wrong, their whole worldview falls apart. And so I think that's also part of it, too. I mean, I'm assuming here they have never responded to me. I, I've just heard radio silence. So I don't know if that's the case, but I wonder if that could be part of it sometimes. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Well, all right, friends. Thanks for hanging in, Riley. Thanks for um, hanging out Thank with me and, and sharing some of your thoughts. I'm sure we'll find another video to respond to at some point in the future. Um, and <laughs> thanks for watching, friends. We'll talk to you all later on. <laughs>